0: Hello, and welcome to IAOP's podcast series, Pulsecast, where we explore topics big and small in a world of collaborative partnerships. Thank you for joining us, and now the host of Pulsecast. Hi, I'm Amanda Saftar, IAOP's Managing Director of Global Events and Member Services, and welcome back to another episode of our Pulsecast series. This Pulsecast is brought to you by IAOP's Women Empowerment Leadership and Diversity chapter as they dive into the employee resource group movement. Let's listen in as we hear from our experts on how to establish a successful and sustainable ERG, how to gain executive level buy-in and sponsorship, and how to design an overarching global organization while addressing regional differences. Enjoy.
1: Please allow me to introduce Chitra Rajeshwari. She is the executive director of the Avasan Foundation and the lead chair for the Women
0: Empowerment Leadership and Diversity chapter. Um, Chitra, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you so much, Nicole, and welcome and good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Joining us today, I am very proud to introduce a very important discussion from the Women Empowerment and Leadership chapter called the Employee Resource Group Movement. Um, Our um, panelists and our moderator have worked very hard to put this uh, discussion together. And I'm very excited to introduce our moderator for today's um, conversation, um, Heidi Solomon. Um, she's the Vice President at Global Sales for VXI, and she's also um, a wealth chapter part of the leadership team. And our distinguished panelists are Bronwyn Justice. She is the Senior Financial Analyst at CBRE. And she also leads the African-American Network Group Conference chair for CBRE, um, and then we have Kathy Lewis Clapper, who is the Chief HR Officer for Maligan Health, and lastly we have Neelam Johan who is the Inclusion and Diversity Leader for Honeywell. I'm sure we are all, we are all excited to hear what you'll have to say, and I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting and um, 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 a lot of learning um, conversation here. So. Without any ado, I hand it over to Heidi to moderate. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Sheetra, for the, for the kind introduction. I'm very excited to have um, this dis- distinguished panel as part of our discussion today. Uh, so just to, to sort of level set for everybody on the call, um, you know, most of you are, are likely aware of what employee resource groups are, but um, just as a, as a you know baseline, Typically, employee resource groups, are also also known as affinity groups, are intended to celebrate diversity. Um, They're voluntary, employee-led collectives designed to foster diverse and inclusive workplaces, um, to promote equity and workplace mobility. Uh, Some of the other benefits that we've seen um, is inclusive of the development of future leaders, Uh, increased employee engagement and expanded uh, marketplace reach. Uh, Interestingly enough, according to a workplace.com report that was recently released, a reported 90% of Fortune 500 companies have ERGs. Some are effective and some frankly are not as effective as they could be. So Today, our steam panel will discuss what they are doing and what they advise to create a meaningful meaningful ERGs within their organizations that can help transform uh, their comp- your company or their companies. So, with that, um, thank you again to the panelists for joining. And I'm just going to kick off with a, a few questions. Um, so. Um, this would be for all three of the panelists, um, but if, uh, if you would please describe the work that you're doing today across the various ERDs in, in your organizations, um, that would be great. Um, Bronwyn, why don't we start with you?
3: Um, thank you uh, for having me, I'm uh, quite honored to be a part of this uh, panel and I am hopeful that I will learn something and and have something to take away to my organization as well. Currently, I serve as the uh, conference chair for the African American Network Group for CBRE, which is a commercial real estate services company. I've been connected with the uh, ERG group since 2010 and I'm also a member of, uh, we have seven groups. I'm also a member of the Women's Network group, Asia Pacific group, the LGBTQ uh, Q group, and I share that because uh, I do my, my work, my sweat equity, my, my, my service, my gifts are with the African American uh, Network group, but I'm also a member of those groups so that I can um, be connected to the organization and take advantage of the professional development and the network opportunities uh, that the other groups Make available at my company. Anyone can be a part of any networking group, even if you don't identify uh, with that particular group. So for Ang in particular, we have aligned our goals with three of CBRE's corporate strategies. So that's how we fit uh, overall uh, into the business and those three strategies are uh, client outcomes top talent and culture. So, when we strategize and come up with our plan, uh, as far as uh, chapter level, the national level, and then uh, what we are going to do on the conference level, those uh, strategies serve as our guide um, as to what we will uh, offer our members.
1: Perfect. Thanks. I know we're going to get a lot deeper into that um, uh, during our conversation today as well. Kasky, would you like to share?
4: Sure. And um, my lens is a lens really of creating workforce capability for Magellan. And so we have a strategy around ensuring we're doing that, which necessarily means dc i is very important to us. Um, the work that we do um, in this area really is is and continues to grow in visibility with every function. So with talent acquisition, with talent management, with Analytics and compensation with um, rubber hits the road work that we're doing within business units. Um, so the the piece, the ERG piece, really came to life for us when we launched Facebook at Work um, and made a conscious decision to support grassroots efforts. And we've had some really terrific and energetic and passionate groups form from this. And we're working with those groups to learn and to make sure that the strategic infrastructure we're putting in place to create sustainable change in the workforce capability that we're building, um, is, is help, it, they're helping to shape that, basically. That's
5: awesome. Thank you, and Neelam? Sure, um, and so similarly to my um, fellow panelists, we also have really embedded Erg's into our IND strategy and um, we consider them to be our strategic partners. And and this is a big pillar for us at Honeywell and um, Essentially as a strategic partner, they are really helping to align and drive our IND strategic agenda and initiatives. Um, Our ERGs are actually called employee networks. Um, And we really leverage them and empower them to be engaged in a number of activities within our strategy, be it um, driving uh, talent attraction, talent retention, development. Um, They certainly are a strong community and support group and leveraging that network to, to really connect our Employees across a hundred and ten plus thousand organization worldwide. It's uh, it's quite a task And so having these employee networks is a is a great way for us to connect people um, And really build these mentoring and coaching communities that help to drive our agenda through various initiatives aligned to our overall global strategy and so we focus on them as talent pools and resources we connect them to our inclusion diversity councils and through that they really are helping to get a lot of the work done as well as us supporting these uh, employee networks with their strategies and, and uh, things that are their top priorities. Perfect, perfect. And I know um, both Kasky and
1: Neelan uh, as we were prepping for today's meeting, um, you had talked a lot about how their a lot of these groups came from a grassroots effort, but there are also some overlying corporate objectives. Would you be willing to address that um, and how you support that? Tasky, what?
4: Sure. Sure. So, you know, essentially from a strategy perspective, um, one of the folks of that strategy is ensuring that um, we're leveraging voice of our team members, and um, the uh, just to give you an example of a group that has just made a lasting impact on me, our Women in Technology, um, ERG is um, is a, a group that um, got together a couple of amazing women um, did a Zoom video and broadcast it out to the company. And in that video, they just had a really informal dialogue about what they wanted to try to accomplish with this group. And the response was just amazing. And um, the energy and the passion, if you go on Workplace and read um, the strings, it's, you can't not have a huge smile on your face and just see amazing things happen. And it's not just a feel-good and a connect, although that's, uh, it was so clear there was a void and, and, it, and it helped them fill that void. Um, they invited people from all over the company, men and women necessarily, to have a, a, a diverse group of employees to be able to share thoughts and ideas on how to champion the kinds of things they were working to make happen. Um, And it it really evolved into something with teeth in a good way, Um, launching a mentoring program, um, sponsoring development programs, um, you know, doing, um, uh, getting involved with STEAM, um, having speakers and lunch and learns, and, um, and even the more simple things like Posting an article and the energy that 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 generates for folks who can resonate with something in there. So um, the, the the Women in technology group for me um, was really um, a strong and powerful um, Influence in my thoughts around how we integrate what folks are telling us and what they're experiencing and what they're demonstrating and the strategies that we have in place and and frankly have had in place for, you know, years and years and years and years. And the question is, how do you bust up those mental models and rethink those? Um, So if you don't have enough women in technology, let's take a look at the position descriptions.
3: Mm -hmm. How are we
4: writing those? How are we recruiting for those roles? What are we doing when folks are onboarded? Um, How are we creating a forum for them and success for them? And, and, the the WIT um, ERG really, I think, has helped us think about everything we're doing from a systemic perspective differently. Um, so it's, uh, it's been an amazing experience. And it, it is grassroots. It is energy of people who care about this and want to make something happen. And my experience is that's typically when you're able to change the world in some way.
1: Yeah, I love that. And did that grassroots effort spark other initiatives within the company, other affinity groups
4: or um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and one, one of the ones that comes to mind is an affinity group called We Can, which is really sort of tackling the, the um, barriers that we put in front of ourselves in, in accomplishing things and really learning to think differently about what we can accomplish. Um, and, you know, dealing with things like the, the uh, impersonator syndrome. Um, so, um, it, yeah, so other <laughs> things have come out of that.
1: That's awesome. And how about you, Neelam?
5: Um, well, I think that one of the, the, the critical areas of focus um, for, for the IND strategy here was how do we help to empower our ERGs that have, you know, a lot of them were at grassroots level and and really organically grown. Um, But I also when I came into the role um, and talking to some of these um, ERGs, you know, they felt that they were probably operating very much in silo. And what was important for them was, you know, um, the executive sponsorship, the, the visibility to what they're doing and also the the support as well as the allies um, that can help make change happen and so um, purposefully we, sh- we shaped the way that our ERGs are operating and so now they are very much um, structured under a inclusion and diversity network and, and actually we have an infrastructure in place where they have that support so they don't feel like they're working in silo and you know sometimes it can lead to fatigue and i just feel like i'm on this hamster wheel and we're doing all this great work but is it having an impact on our numbers is it having an impact on increasing females in leadership positions or um mentoring and sponsorship and and i really helping the members make change happen and and so a lot of the strategy was, you know, around how do we empower, provide structure, and also provide them with um, leadership and cross visibility across all of our organization and our businesses. So those that work grassroots, we've given them some structure. And, and then we've also designed and created some employee networks actually from scratch. And, and those are really designed with uh, leaders that are influential in their respective businesses So we have five businesses across the the region so we wanted to make sure that there's the right influential leaders in place who are actually going to help lead and steer the the direction of the ergs but also can connect back to the businesses and be there be that 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 intermediary that brings the sponsorship the the leadership buy-in um, and whether it's budgets and funding, but really aligning what they're, what they're trying to achieve um, uh, to, to the business needs and, and, and showcase some of the great things that are going on and how this is a pool of talent that actually can help business grow through their expertise and, and also because they actually look like the customers that we serve. Um, And so we really did a combination of allowing them to organically grassroot, but then we designed them and pulled them into the overarching strategy so that we could actually help empower the ERGs and the work that they're doing. That's great. And Bronwyn,
1: uh, you're involved in a lot of different groups within your organization. Uh, Perhaps you can share with our listeners from your perspective, what are some of the key drivers to successful deployment of
3: ERGs within an organization? So the first thing is top-down support. And uh, at my company, we definitely have our uh, CEO is extremely supportive of our ERG groups and uh, not just in name only. When we have uh, events on the local level, I sit here in Dallas, Texas, and uh, he sits here as well. Uh, He has attended ERG uh, events uh, for the Asia Pacific Network Group. He was at a Lunch and Learn. He has been at almost all of our conferences for the African American Network Group. So he is there. He is present. His executive leaders uh, that serve as sponsors are also on board. So I think that's number one. You have to have your executive team on board for the ERGs. And then um, from the perspective of working inside, um, you just encourage those that serve in leadership positions, uh, encourage them not to be discouraged, have them understand that they need to have a positive outlook on things. Um, Be critical thinkers because if the budget is not there, you have to be able to figure out a way to accomplish your goals uh, despite that uh, roadblock and then have a strategy mindset always be thinking three or four steps ahead of what you can do um, to keep the ball rolling forward, and then work with what you have until you you, you get where you want to be. So that's what I would say are some of the uh, success, uh, key success drivers that I have found personally working with the ERG organizations. That's awesome. Neelam, I'm curious, you
1: mentioned earlier, you know,
3: uh, some of
1: the items that you look at in terms of success measurement. Um, maybe you and, and Kasky could address, you know, what are some of the areas that you look at in terms of delivering a return on investment for the ERGs within the organization?
5: Mm-hmm. Sure, I can I can start that. I, I think for from the outset, when we started to pull together the infrastructure and the strategy around our employee networks, um, there was a, a clear direction that we need to ensure that all of our ERGs have, you know, direction in terms of what's your purpose? Are you an inclusive network? What's your overall objectives? Why are those your objectives? You know, what's some of the priority areas that you, you want to drive um, and then, how are we going to measure success? Um, and, and that could come in in many ways. You know, some of the things that we've been looking at is: are your initiatives driving the outcomes that we we, we need? Be it attracting diverse talent to the organisation through your events, your conference activities, your campus hiring activities, your strategic external partnering, and community community outreach. Let's see how that's coming back into the organisation. Are we having an impact on our social media strategies that we are working on with our ERGs? Be it, um, you know, more impressions on our sites, more direct traffic coming through our career site. Are people applying for positions through an event or an engagement or a social um, campaign? That's a great way to start to see how this is the word is going out both inside the organization's network and also externally. I think the other thing is is how is this affecting our metrics as an organization, be it, are we hiring more talent? Are we seeing more promotions into leadership positions? Um, Do we see retention? You know, is there a reduced turnover? Are we really retaining the 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 members that are coming into these networks because now they feel that they have a place where they belong they have that community and that support structure um and so these are some of the things hard metrics as well as some of the softer ones um that really can help us to see what we are doing is driving um the change and moving the needle and it all really stems from clear Charters,
1: objectives and understanding how we're going to measure success perfect Kasky, did you want to add
5: anything to that sure i mean
4: absolutely consistent with what we've just heard and i think if i look at it from a, a big picture uh, success means um innovative best-in-class results for our customers and our members um so that we're you know leveraging our workforce to be able to create Amazing things in the healthcare marketplace. Um, I think that um, if you back back up from that, you're looking at hitting goals around, um, you know, uh, for example, women in technology. We want to we want to attract more women to the technology team. We want to see them continue to be promoted. We want to see the the um, uh, VP and above to be reflective of that, right? Similar to all diversity initiatives around. Making sure that your employee base is a mirror of the customers and members you're providing services to. Um, I'm gonna throw so I'm gonna throw If you I'm sorry, just one more thing and then backing into just pure ERG. Um, you know, our the goal initially was to get people engaged, to get them connected and to have it be an active group and to have great outputs from the goals that they set around mentoring and leadership and and speakers and that sort of thing. So
1: that's that's perfect. I, I'm going to throw a little curveball question out there. Um, just as a part of that, because as you were speaking, Cascade, it sort of tri- triggered uh, a thought. On a, you know, as a part of that, are you also integrating bias training? Um, you know, as you look to attract more women in tech, as an example, right? Sometimes bias. And, plays a factor in terms of hiring. We see it in the call center all the time, right? For tech support programs, you know, uh, you know, we, it's like they tend to trend toward hiring men, even though women are equally as capable
4: of yes.
1: handling it. So,
4: so I, I just I'm throwing that out
1: to the group. Actually, um, if that's something that you look at as well,
4: I, mean, I certainly can take a stab at that, and then okay. um, would love to hear from others. I. You know, we have offered bias training as part of our normal leadership curric- curriculum. Um, I think that it is, um, it can be very powerful for helping individuals and teams. Um, and I think that um, it's not okay just to say you're doing it and check a box and we're done. I also um, know that there's been a lot of research on bias training not over time making as much of a difference. And I believe it is because it makes the difference with the individual learner or with the group or community that's working together on it. Um, but it takes time for that to take hold if you don't have it connected into, like you said, all of the things that you're doing as an organization to drive change with your workforce. So we, we have this uh, concept called Mini-Me, which is, um, the, the tendency to hire people who are exactly like the folks who are leaving a role which we're really trying to bust up and yeah. say no. If we want to change our outputs and change the way we're thinking and continue to innovate and grow and compete in this marketplace, we need to hire for different things. Um, so just to give that example, that's, that's definitely the path that we've been headed down.
1: That's a great example. Bronwyn or Nealon, would you like to add
5: anything to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, from, from our perspective, um, I, I heard a, a great quote the other day, and it was around, you know, diverse people should not solely be responsible for diversity. Mm. And I think it really resonates because, um, you know, when we look at um, inclusion and diversity groups or conversations, a lot of it is almost a burden on the diverse individual how do you get your leaders by and how do you remove bias in the workplace how are you driving your careers and i i, I agree that that absolutely is part of the responsibility but the focus really for, for, from our perspective is we want to build an inclusive culture one where everybody has a fair and, and, and equal opportunity to be successful And therefore, we all need to work towards that shared goal as an organisation, be it managers, individual contributors, leaders, executives and uh, employees across the board. And so, how are we going to embed inclusion and diversity into our cultural DNA? It has to be really threaded into all our processes and our systems and our day to day. And so, I almost think that the, you know, removing the word diversity and actually making it more practical and tangible, removing the word bias and actually embedding it into practical and tangible has really proven to make a difference. And so an example of that would be, you know, as you, as you embark on the hiring process, reinforcing and, and, and sending triggers and reminders on the importance of bringing in. Diverse thinking and as an organization going through transformation and change and innovation, how to think about the talent you're bringing into the organization to drive that shared goal um, has, I, I think it's a slight pivot on the language and the way that we, we, we drive conversation with the same outcome. And so I think, you know, bias training in itself is, 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 is not going to necessarily change an individual. But a program that's really holistic and embedded in all our processes and systems, which includes bias and includes all the other things that are needed, does drive that change. So that's the way we're looking at it. Great, advice. and um,
3: I can add to that as well. In our company, our diversity and inclusion uh, leadership team that sit on the people side of the business. Um, They've really come out with something uh, simple where all employees can can understand how they can contribute to uh, busting up some of the bias behaviors that happen conscious and, and, and unconscious and, and just what uh, society has. Um, Put upon us as, as as Americans and as people, and uh, that is include everyone, because when you are inclusive, diversity will happen. So, be that's a great quote. <laughs> and make sure that you are looking around, and who have you left out? Who have you not included? And it that's who you need to focus on and that's who you need to bring to the table. That's who you need to um, invite to the party and not just invite them to the party, but ask them to dance. And if they can't dance, show them how to dance. And that will drive the diversity. And
1: so Bronwyn, just to extend that, I'm curious as to how, you know, as you create global ERGs How do you account for some regional differences? So you know you have your global affinity groups, but then you know you may have you know a group in Europe or in the U.S. or um, you know around community outreach as an example, they may want to focus on different areas. So how do you how do you go about approaching that?
3: So CBRE is a, a global company, and we are a real estate business. And so real estate is, is extremely localized. So that is our mindset. So what works for real estate, uh, for a broker in New York, you cannot do the same thing in Texas. It's just not gonna work. So that's kind of the same concept we have a pro- applied to our network groups, or ERGs. And so for consistency purposes, There, um, for the top level, there's consistency as far as the leaders um, and structures around budgeting and things of that nature. But on the local level, to be truly effective, you have to do what works for that particular level. An example would be, um, we may have, um, like for the African-American Network Group in Florida, we don't have a a huge presence of African-American employees. So that would be an area where we would probably want to have a virtual um, chapter so people can be connected to the ERG. But in Texas, we have a, a, a large concentration of employees where we can form a chapter and be effective and uh, go out and, and serve the community and, and do things like that. So I have a, a friend who's, she's like one of the smartest people I know. And in and, and one of our talks, she told me, you know, Um, Don't, the golden rule, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And she says she really doesn't follow that. She says, really get to know people and treat them the way they want to be treated. So, as leaders, you have to listen to your ERG members. And and that may be a little longer um, uh, way to, to accomplish your goals. But really listen to them and what the needs are. And then let that be your guide.
0: Perfect.
1: Anyone else like to add to that? No. All right. So, uh, Neela, one of the, and all three of you have actually mentioned this, but uh, maybe we can dig a little bit deeper into getting executive buy-in. So, how did you how did you approach that in terms of you know involving the Senior leadership team getting their buy-in, which ultimately results in getting budget allocated. Right. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the, the the first thing that um, organizations need to to recognize is that um, driving inclusion and diversity does not sit with HR. Um, it does not sit with. The, the IND leader you know we provide the structure the framework um, best practices but it really has to sit within the business and as part of our ERG strategy we wanted to have our ERGs really um, empowered and, and supported within the business by leadership and so as part of our infrastructure we we built, inclusion and diversity councils led by very senior executives in the business that would drive together with their other leaders from each part of that business, um, the strategy, the initiatives, the actions, and as part of that, they would also be sponsors that support and govern their ERG so that they are all working towards the same shared goal. And so instead of it being a bottom up approach, it became suddenly a top down in the sense that, oh, well, we've got great opportunity here with our employee networks. And so, you know, our strategies around, we want to have more females in leadership positions or, we want to ensure that um, we're driving community outreach programs. I'm like, oh great, well here's your networks and it's a huge amount of members there that are ready and willing and able. And so it became more of a pull versus a push. And it worked very well because it became the leaders strategy and therefore they actually came and approached our employee networks to, to make things happen.
1: That's great, and, and actually we got a, a question from one of our listeners today, and this, uh, it's a it's very timely question actually um, to tag on to this conversation. So um, this is from Jag, uh, from who's a, a semi-retired male executive who's completely on board, by the way, um, but he says that the panelists mentioned the key role executives play in creating the right culture and corporate view on this topic, but unfortunately, more than 50% of senior executives are male. Uh, could be even higher than that. So that means you know a group of male executives have to lead this effort, not just be the champion. So the question is, what do you think, and what are the steps that um, were you're taking to get the male, not only the executive teams, but the male leaders within the company involved
5: Mm -hmm. well i would i would uh, completely agree with that and um it goes back to the point of having the right allies Um, we have eight inclusion and diversity councils across our whole organization through our businesses and our regions and um i believe the number is now four Of those eight are actually led by male executives Um, and it goes back to diverse people solely cannot be responsible for driving inclusion and diversity and so having male executives these are you know very influential leaders and they are fantastic allies um, that really are are, they, they understand what we're trying to do they understand the business case they they're very on board with um, the the efforts and a lot of that is because it's all coming down from our CEO um, and so as an organization we are holding ourselves accountable um, and that accountability is very much coming from the very top.
4: Perfect.
1: Kasky, would you like to add to that?
4: Sure and along the same lines we actually have a what we call a heat map um, and my experience is when you um, compare people's outputs or results in a team setting, they tend to want to uh, make great things happen. Um, so we um, – I, 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 let me just back up for a second. I think it's a really great question, and I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that I spent most of my life trying to figure this out and will probably spend the rest of my life working to figure out how to continue to drive change. Um, first and foremost, I think we've got to choose our organizations carefully. There may be some organizations where it's um, just too difficult for one individual to make the change they need to change, um, and um, sometimes I think you got to call it um, and just choose differently, and I think that ultimately that's what's happening all over, and organizations who aren't open to considering a different way are very naturally having more and more and more difficulty recruiting great people. Um, Secondly, I would say no matter what organization I've ever been in, I don't wait for executive support. Um, Life is too short. It's something I have to work on in parallel always, no matter what role I'm in. But the net is um, there are so many things we can impact without waiting for an executive to say, okay, I support that. There's so much that we can do. And um, so I I wouldn't wait for executive support. I would absolutely continue to champion it and drive it in parallel with whatever you're doing. And third, I just had positive experience meeting executives where they are, understanding what's important to them. And with very few exceptions, um, have I been unable to get to a place where they want to make um, the right changes happen for an organization and to get the results that we need. Um, and this is this is not a nice-to-do thing. If we can't innovate, we won't be able to compete in the marketplace. And if you don't have a diverse and inclusive workforce, you won't be able to innovate, period. Um, so those are just a couple thoughts that I have. Right, that's awesome,
1: and and Bronwyn, you mentioned that you know CBRE has a a male CEO, but he seems also very
3: involved in ERGs. Correct? Right. Yes. Um, he he actually serves as the executive sponsor for our women's network group, and um, that's, he.
0: That's awesome. That's, that is fantastic.
3: That, yes. is fantastic. that is fantastic. Yeah, and I think we have to
4: be careful not to assume because an executive is a male that they aren't huge champions for what we're driving.
3: Right. And he has an open door policy. He, um, He is an executive that has made an intentional decision, and this is what I heard with my own ears, um as part of his role with the company to be connected to the people so he will answer your emails um if you want time with him he makes that a priority that's just one one of his things that he makes a priority and so as it relates to the ergs you see his support it's not a talking point it's not a box that he's checking he is actually putting in the work for the organizations Perfect. So we've heard a lot of
1: the great things that uh, y'all are doing and, you know, across your, your organizations, but I'm sure uh, as we, as these evolve and grow that there have been some mistakes that have been made. Uh, would you be willing to share some of your key learnings as you've evolved these ERGs across your organization? Um, Kasky, you want to kick off?
4: Um, sure. We um, uh, experienced early on, and we're, we're all kind of new to this, just simply because it's been just about two years since we've launched the technology tool to be able to support the ERGs, um, bias training and um, the need to do that and the desire to do that and a very passionate group that had a local vendor that they wanted to engage in that. And um, of course, we offer bias training from an a, um, infrastructure perspective overall as part of our learning curriculum. And so we had folks on the learning team who had curated that content, um, and um, folks in the local um, team who wanted to bring in this vendor, which was um, different content, and there was some disagreement around, around that. Um, I also think there was a lot of sort of mental model shifting going on, right, because you have a a kind of mature organization where you've got leadership that's used to, um, in a learning environment, curating the content. Um, At the same time, you're trying to champion voice and ensuring that everything we're doing is reflective of, um, of our team members Um, experiences and lens and the benefit of their input. Um, So we went through a lot to try to figure out, well, okay, there are things that might be um, happening with this vendor that we aren't supportive of as an organization, what do we do with that? Uh, And then in really coming up with partnering to work together to bring this vendor in and to do an event. Um, So, but it uh, it was bumpy. And uh, I think we made good come of it and we learned a lot. And um, I'm sure we have a lot more to learn, but that would be uh, an example I could share that we just went through, um, you know, probably about a year ago.
1: Yeah, that's a great example. Neelam, how about, how about your organization?
5: Um, I would say that um, some, some of the common mistakes is, is really around who, who's who in the zoo, I guess. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, what, uh, awesome. and what I, what I mean by that is, uh with, uh, with respect is, is, you know, we have a lot of very passionate people that spend a lot of their t- personal time, energy, and effort in this space and do a lot of great work to support, um, their, their mission, um, and especially in ERGs. And it's very well recognized and, and, and admirable, but at the same time, I think what we, we need to make sure is that we have the right leaders, um, because if you have just a, a lot of passionate people, but it doesn't have uh, the, di- the direction, there's no clear objectives and purpose, and it's, it's not aligned to the strategies. All the things we just talked about today are, are gonna to be a struggle, the buy-in, the, the leadership, the executive support, uh, the budgets um, and making change happen. So I think that you know, um, a lot of the, the mistakes I've seen is that this person's very, very passionate and energetic about it, wonderful. Um, let's give them a, a, an assigned role and this is what they will be doing. But are they going to be the right leader to make change happen? And I and I, I know that that could sometimes be an uncomfortable conversation. But we have to get very comfortable with uncomfortableness in this space. And you know, it's it's really making sure that the right people are on board, because there's a lot of work to do in this space, and, and um, we want the right we want the right um, leaders there. Yeah. Right,
3: Sim Bronwyn. So that. I'm gonna kind of echo um, some of the same things that have already been said, but I've, I've learned from all of my mistakes and i now evolved to the point that I'm appreciative of my mistakes because as I look back, um, that's where the, the best lessons have been learned and what has stuck with me most. And I think uh, that is true for the ERG organizations as well. So, at this point we, we recently had like a, a, a round table with a lot of the diversity uh leads uh, uh, in the company and and one of the things that was common amongst the group was um about leadership and and making sure that you are putting the correct people in place um so for me i would like to personally take more time to truly understand the motive of people uh, that, that wish to serve in a leadership capacity or that would accept an appointment to serve in a leadership capacity. And, uh, you know, in addition to the passion, they need to have the skill set and a servant's heart and the desire to, um, you know, be excellent in everything that they do. And because when you put the wrong person in the position, it slows you down on executing on your vision, on your goals. And sometimes it takes the focus away from the group because um, you have those that are not contributing in the way uh, that it's needed for the organization to move forward. So just really slowing down and and being more conscious about the folks that you put in um, various positions just to make sure it's a correct fit.
1: And that's hard because most of these are volunteer positions, right? So, um, how you know? What's your recommendation on how to go about that screening
3: process? You don't want to deter the passion, right? Right. What has worked well for me, um, because with the conference, it's a program that has uh, occurred. uh, Right now, we're on a biannual uh, cadence, so. Mm working on the committee level like uh, you know that uh, granular level and you can see the work that people have actually put in and then those are the ones that you go to first um, because you know their skill set you know their personality you know that um, you know they they operate with some integrity so those are the ones that you would go to first and then for those that um, you may not have any history with, you know, you can put them somewhere, but make sure it's, it's if, if it doesn't work out and you have to take over, make sure that you have the bandwidth to do that. And, and if, you, if you don't, then I wouldn't recommend um, putting them in that position. And then you also have to create a culture of this uh, group is a safe place because we are here to learn so you are gonna get feedback and if it's, it's not criticism, it's coaching. Everybody needs a coach. Michael Phelps has a coach. Serena Williams has a coach. Simone Bowles has a coach. They're the best at what they do, but they still need a coach. So if you get feedback, it's, be, it's because it's coming from a good place in our heart and we want you to be better. So, just creating that environment where if they aren't uh, performing up to par, then um, if they do get feedback, they're open to receiving it and then taking action upon it to improve themselves. Yeah, which is a reflection of their leadership
1: skills anyway, right? Which right. So, that's great. Yeah, and then, okay, so one last uh, question for the panel, um, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, you know, could be more than one, but if, uh, you know, that they could take away, if they're in the process of creating an ERG within their organization or expanding an ERG, uh, that they could uh, deploy immediately to effect change. So, Kasky, do you want to start?
4: Um, sure. So I think uh, I would say try and fail and try something else. Um, I think that we put pressure on ourselves to need things to be perfect, or at least I have in my past. <laughs> and um, typically when something's perfect, it, there's something that's really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I am a, a huge proponent of being a learner. and benefit from people who are kind enough and courageous enough to help me learn. Um, so I really get a lot of energy from just trying things, not irresponsibly, um, but taking risk, smart risk to try to make something different happen and occur and be sustainable. So I think, um, I've been working really hard to learn how to fail and to see that as something that will help me get better and help me um, change an environment in a very different way. So, not sure if that makes sense, but just learning to not need it to be perfect and do something.
5: Love that. Neelam, how about you? Um, I, I think everything that we've just talked about over the last hour certainly are, you know, some of the things that, that we, we should take away from this conversation you know make sure you have the right leaders make sure your team the core team for any erg are influential they have clear uh, purpose objectives and understand what it is they're trying to improve so there's success me- measures there um, uh, but i i would say in addition to that you know um we, we haven't necessarily talked about it so much yet but understand the role that particularly that mid-level manager has in an organization and uh, the influence impact and influence they have in addition to leadership and executives but a lot of the work happens at that 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 middle of an organization and and work with them what are your clear purpose and objectives and then what can the mid-level managers of your organization do. Because when I speak to a lot of um, our managers, people, leaders particularly, they they get it. They've got the buy-in. They they understand what it's all about, why it's a business imperative. But I get a lot of feedback on just tell me what to do. I just don't know what you want me to do and how can I help? And so I think when building any ERG um, strategies and purpose, that needs to be a clear part of the plan how are we going to engage not just with leaders and executives but how can we help spread the word and have our people leaders particularly be influenced and impact them to 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 work towards some of the the uh, the goals and objectives that you have
3: perfect and Bronwyn I would just encourage everyone to be consistent do not be Uh, discourage. Take the time to celebrate the small baby steps. Take the time to learn from the missteps because all of those baby steps and all of those missteps uh, accumulate together and eventually it will be success and you'll see the impact that you are making um, in the lives of others. That's great advice. Well, thank
1: you to all three of our panelists today. I know I learned a lot from this discussion and appreciate your wisdom. And with that, I'll turn it over to Chitra or I believe Debbie Hamels, uh, uh, the
0: IAOP CEO is on the phone as well. Thank you. Hi, Chitra. Do you wanna say anything before I wrap it up?
2: No, Debbie, you can go for a fantastic panel incredible information, so much, so much. I learned so much from the three of you, really fascinating conversation. Thank you all so much and thank you, Heidi. Over to you, Debbie.
0: Okay, great, thank you, Chitra. Yeah, let me add my thanks very much uh, for everyone that joined us today. And on behalf of IOP and its global membership, uh, a special thanks to the leadership of the Women Empowerment Leadership and Diversity chapter, for their hard work and their determination in creating this timely program um, it 's through this dedication that we 're able to offer such an array of programming live right at your desk or you know playback at your convenience uh, and to add to chitra 's remarks, thanks to this fantastic panel, I did learn a tremendous amount from this program, and I want to thank you for taking your time out of your incredibly busy days to share these forward-thinking insights into creating an employee resource group, why it's essential. Um, I really honestly learned a tremendous amount. ERGs, I now realize among many other reasons, connect people. And through this connection, divorce verses are heard and amazing things happened. Um, I'm thinking about how we might actually build on this down the road maybe we should have a follow-up session on this sometime because there's so much more i think we can dive into and i think as we move forward this will become more and more important so should you wish to learn more about creating an ERG i'm sure the speakers on this panel as well as this chapter leadership team would welcome your comments and your input so feel free to reach out to any one of the chapter leaders or to me and we can get you connected Um, Don't forget, the program will be available online, so you can replay it, share it with your networks, some of your colleagues, and let's just um, get involved. This chapter is a very important one, is a very popular one, and you have an opportunity to hear your voice heard. So thanks again. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.